The Pre-Med Year, session number 388. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me. As this episode comes out two days ago on Monday, April 27th, I had a little bit of a rant about what the AAMC did with the MCAT during COVID. So go check that out if you haven't already. Premed.tv is where you can find me on YouTube. Again, premed.tv. I have an awesome guest today that I think you are going to to like a lot. Now, the guests that I have, very similar to our guest story, are ones that are very popular with you because a lot of you out there have struggled through undergrad and are worried about getting into medical school. And that is no different than our guest today, Keith. He emailed me and said, hey, I'm a first-year medical student. I went through undergrad and graduated with a 279 GPA, a 279. Now, a lot of you, maybe not the ones listening, but a lot of you out in the world who aren't listening to this, who had a 2.79 undergraduate GPA, probably got their dreams crushed by an advisor who said, you will never get into medical school. And that person believed them. And I'm here to tell you, and I have had many guests on here to tell you, and, and Keith will tell you, that that just simply is not true. Now, he had to work really hard to improve his grades and to prove that he could handle getting into medical school and handle medical school, and he did exactly that. So we're going to find out all about Keith and his journey to medical school right now. Keith, welcome to the Premed Years podcast. How are you today? Doing good. How about yourself? I am great. Uh, quarantine, self-isolated, all those fun things during this uh, COVID pandemic. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited to chat with you. I got an email from you saying you're a first-year medical student and you had to overcome a pretty abysmal undergraduate GPA. Let's start the conversation with when you first realized you wanted to be a physician. Because I'm excited to, to hear if, if that undergraduate GPA was part of your pre-med process or not. Um, it was part of my pre-med process. So um, I kind of wanted to always go into the medical field. My mom is a pharmacist and um, I had always been in the hospital growing up as a kid. And I went to school for biochemistry and I got there and I flopped, you know, yeah. it, it was hard. You know, I didn't put in the work and did well in high school and, you know, didn't do what I needed to do when I got there. And I got smacked. Yeah. Did you start undergrad thinking about pharmacy, becoming a pharmacist? Because biochemistry fits with that pretty well. I didn't know. Um, I was kind of between pharmacy and medicine um, in PhD route. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think that confusion really, you know, being misguided didn't help me at all. You know, it, it, it didn't really set me up for success. Yeah. And I talk about that a lot with having your plan A and not having a plan B. You kind of had all of these plans out there and you're like, "Ah, I don't really know. So without having that clear goal in mind, the the why in mind, it sounds like you were just not motivated to to do what you needed to do to get to that point because you didn't know what that point was. Yeah. 
and I was just kind of bumbling along for the first <laughs> couple of years. Yeah. And then after that, I realized, oh man, you know, I'm not going to be able to do anything after I graduate and tried to fix my GPA a little bit. And by the time I finished, um, my last couple of years, I pulled it up to about a three, yeah. you know, just kind of coasting a little bit. Um, but when I graduated, it was like in the two seven range. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. So not great. Along that path, when you were in undergrad, were you getting advising from a pre-health advisor telling you like, hey, this this isn't going to work for you. You should go pick something out. Like who was motivating you or distracting you on the way? I was, you know, I had talked to pre-med advisors. Um, I went to the University of Michigan for undergrad and their pre-med shop there is huge. They have a lot of pre-med advisors. They take good care of you. And they basically told me, dude, your chances are shot at this point unless you do some serious repair. Okay. And I'm I'm glad they at least offered that serious repair part because a lot of the pre-health advisors are like, your chances are shot. Go do something else. Yeah. I got I talked to a few people and it was half and half. It yeah. was either you're you're done or mm-hmm. you know, you can fix it, but you're gonna have to work. Good. Okay. All right. And, and so what did that work look like for you? Um I mean, it just was sitting down and studying and not goofing off and going to hang out with friends and <laughs> being serious about class. I really liked what I was studying, but you know, I went, what's the minimum that I can do to get a B? Mm-hmm. And I coasted with a biochem degree. And when I graduated, um, I saw a lot of my friends go on to medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they did very well. They did well on their MCAT. Um, I realized that my next step would either be to do a post-bac or to do grad school, to do a master's. And my last year I applied for grad school, took the GRE, did well. And um, I talked to my advisors and they all said, dude, if you don't fix it now, you're done. You're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. And so went for a traditional master's back at University of Michigan in biochem. Okay. And what was the switch for you to actually start doing well? Was it, was it that kind of, uh, being uh, having that ultimatum almost of like, this is, this is it. So you buckled down and, and finally did what you needed to do. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I had, um, my favorite professor, I went and talked to him mm-hmm. and I had a couple acceptance acceptances for grad school. And he sat me down and he said, you know, I know you can do the work. You know, I did pretty well in his class. And he said, you know, if you do well, you have the ability to get all A's. And he said, you're going to have to do that if you want to go on to pharmacy or med school. And I decided that I wanted to do med school. Yeah. And I did it. You know, I went through grad school. It was hard, but, you know, I got near a 4.0. How how much of him sitting you down and actually saying you have the ability to get A's, did did that give you the confidence to go, oh, yeah, I, I guess I can. And, and now I can do it. Yeah, it, it was it. It did a lot for me to hear that, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it just wasn't him. It was my professor from that program and the program director for my master's program. And they both said, you can do well. We've seen what you can do. Yeah. And, you know, seeing a lot of my friends do well, you know, they're incredibly smart people. I didn't have the confidence Yeah. Um, and I didn't think that I could do it. And, you know, I didn't think that I was like them in any way, but yeah. that was 
far from the truth. I was just lazy. <laughs> and I, I bring that up because it's one of those things that uh, I'm a firm believer in who you surround yourself just makes a huge difference. And and maybe the the people, the, the other students you were hanging out with the first couple of years of school, obviously big, big sports school, you were enjoying the partying, all that fun stuff. Those weren't the people that were telling you, hey, Keith, you're smart. You can get straight A's. They're like, hey, Keith, come party. Um, and it, it it took being surrounded by some people uh, who were in a, a position of power to say, you can do this. They were like, oh yeah, I can, right? And I, I always kind of give the analogy of uh, the first person who happened to be a physician. Um, I think it was a medical student at the time who broke the four minute mile um, mm-hmm. to go and, and show all of the other runners out there like, oh, I guess it can be done. And then everyone started to do it. Right. It's yeah. just having that mental switch. And so you had that mental switch finally and a little bit of pressure, right? That ultimatum. What what was the the difference for you in terms of really sacrificing from undergrad to your master's program to get those A's? What did your life look like differently wise? So during my last two years of undergrad, I was working a lot in a um natural products lab making cancer drugs um, from bacteria. And I was like all about this research, man. Mm-hmm. It was everything and spending, you know, 20 hours a week in the lab. And I had to shut that off and go, I can't do this anymore. I got to focus on school mm-hmm. and just taking all that energy and time and putting it into school was what did it. Yeah. Were you working in that lab for pay or like, did you have to work or you were just doing it because you thought it was fun and and potentially good for your application? I was doing it for application building and for fun. I really did like it. You know, I really liked chemistry and I really liked drugs and, you know, I really liked what I was doing, but it was hurting me in the long run. You know, it was, it was capping my potential. You know, I was getting near a three and I could have been doing better. Okay. Awesome. At what point in your master's program did you finally figure out medical school versus pharmacy school versus something else? So I went in um, knowing that I wanted to do med school. I took some time that summer um, before I started grad school and I reflected. I looked at everything that I had done, Mm -hmm. you know, and I went, medicine is it. I'm going to do it. And I sat down with my advisor and we worked out a plan so that I could study for the MCAT and do grad school. So it was that summer that really did it for me. Okay. And and obviously having that goal in mind, that that why, why are you studying so hard? Why are you motivating yourself to do this? You finally had that one clear picture, which uh, I'm assuming helped a lot as well. Yeah. And it was during that summer, too, that I started listening to your podcast because I started to go, okay, is this possible in my situation? Yeah. And I started listening and you were having people that had done GPA repair and had done postbacs and master's programs. And um, I didn't listen to the part of doing a traditional master's. Yeah. Um, you know, it's from my experience, it's been a postback usually sets people up better than a traditional master's. But I realized it was possible and that my situation wasn't totally unique. Yeah, I thought that, you know, I was alone and I wasn't. Yeah, definitely not alone. So you you went on your journey, you're in your master's program, you're buckled down, you're doing well. What was the MCAT like for you? Um, MCAT, it was fine. I took it once, I did well. Um, When I was in grad school, I spent 
a couple hours a day studying that on top of grad school. I went ham and I did everything that I could to relearn the material that I had missed in my undergrad and rehash that and make sure that my understanding was good. And what was good about that too, is because I was doing a biochem masters, a lot of that resurfaced as relevant material in my masters. Yeah. So I think that it did help my GPA to go over all the Kaplan books and really invest myself in that material. Awesome. When it came to applying to medical school, when you're trying to figure out what school should I apply to, obviously with a poor undergraduate GPA, uh, with a really good master's GPA, how did you figure out what schools would even give you a shot? Um, so in Michigan, um, they tell you that if you do a master's, um, a couple of the schools will take a look at you after a certain credit count, mm-hmm. either 16 or 20 credits. Yep. And I went, okay, I can apply to these schools and they'll look at me and take me seriously. My MCAT was good enough. Um, you know, and I went, you know, I'm going to apply DO as well, because to me, growing up in Michigan, we have MSU come and having all the DOs around me, it really didn't make a difference. You know, it was MD or DO who cares. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to have that one example of obviously really large state school that has both a human medicine. It's funny they call it human medicine, but but an MD program and a DO program basically on the same campus that that I think for a lot of students in that area will go, well, I guess they're equivalent if the school has both of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're Good. in the same building, too, from what I understand. <laughs> That's and- awesome. It's weird. You know, I know people at both. Yeah. And they used to have the classes together from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah. But I ended up getting an interview there too. Okay. And I didn't make it in there. Yeah. But so the human medicine or the osteopathic medicine? Osteopathic. Okay. All the interviews that I ended up getting were at DO schools. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I think that DO schools are more accepting of non-traditional students. Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people in my class especially have had the same journey that I have, or they're older, or they have kids, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, I just think it's that that accepting, we're going to accept you for who you are. Yeah. What was your GPA? Would you mind sharing? I'm not your GPA, your, uh, your MCAT score? My MCAT score ended up being a 506. Okay. So not like blow it out of the water, give everyone like warm, fuzzy feelings that you're, you're overcoming your GPA with a, a, a strong MCAT. Okay. But, yeah. but good enough but at for a lot of schools. In the state, there were about a 507 yep. um, for the MD schools. And, you know, I should have been aiming for a higher MCAT yeah. for going for those schools. Yeah. Uh, okay. So... You applied to medical schools. Did you reach out to any beforehand and and have conversations with them to say, hey, here's who I am. Here's what my undergraduate GPA is. Here's what my master's GPA is. What did those conversations look like and and why were you reaching out to begin with? Yeah, I did. Um, I reached out to MSUCOM. I went and visited them. I reached out to a couple of the other MD schools and toured them and talked to program directors. And you know, they said that they have applications like this and, you know, they've seen people have success and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, if we like you, we'll take you and interview you. And, you know, it didn't happen for the MD programs, but DO it did. And it felt really good. Yeah. Do you think there was something different in your application that 
besides the non-traditional aspect, do you think there was something in your application that osteopathic schools potentially grabbed onto a little bit more? I don't know. I think um, my focus is really family medicine is Mm -hmm. what I want to do. And, you know, a lot of people go, ew, family med, but it's (laughs) that, yeah, it's weird, right? It's, I felt, you know, I kind of feel at home and I don't know what it is, but I felt like I really clicked with that philosophy. I like working with my hands. I have no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm a hippie. Who knows? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it worked. How many interviews did you end up going on? Three. Three interviews. Yeah. I had NYIT, MSU and Arcom. Okay. And how did you prepare for those interviews? Well, I'm looking behind you. I read the interview book that you wrote, (laughs) which was awesome. And I had a couple of friends. Um, One of them, when she got her first interview, I got that book for her because it helped me a lot. (laughs) And she ended up getting an acceptance. Nice. And it helped me a lot. Awesome. I'm glad glad it helped. What do you you think it helped with? I think it helped ease my fears of going into a situation where I didn't feel comfortable. And... Some of the things that you talk about are talking about hiccups that you've had and overcoming some of your background. Yeah. And for me, it was a lot about just owning it, moving on, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I'm going to be an adult about this and accept who I am. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you learn from it? Strengths of your app. Yeah. When you got your first acceptance, what was that like? Oh my God. I was bouncing off the walls. (laughs) You know, I was just going completely nuts called called every person that I knew you know I was just I it felt like Christmas like yeah. Christmas on steroids it was great who was the first person you called um I was with my girlfriend now my fiance yeah. and she had just pulled in in the driveway and I was on the phone with the admissions director who had just called me and went, <laughs> holy crap I just got in holy crap and we were just <laughs> like dancing in the driveway it was great <laughs> that's awesome um at the end, you went on three interviews. How many acceptances did you end up with? One. Just the one. What do you think happened at the other schools? Um, MSU, Com. I, I interviewed late at all these places. I interviewed February. Okay. January, February. Um, my first interview was NYIT. I wasn't confident. Um, okay. I talked a lot about my blunders. You know, mm-hmm. I felt... I got tunnel vision when I got pulled into the interview. <laughs> yeah. I just, I know I flubbed it. Yeah. Um, MSU com. I, you know, I have no idea. It just might've been when I interviewed, it was either my performance or whatever. And our comma did fine. So. Yeah. Why do you think you interviewed so late? When, when did you actually submit your applications? Um, June. Okay. So you so, submitted early. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it was just, and then I, I applied to Arcom late. I okay. applied to Arcom and NYIT pretty late. And that was like October to December I applied to those. Okay. And when when you say you applied, so just for the, the student listening or watching this, um, you mean you, you added those schools to your application, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'd already filled out a Comus and then I forward the application to them. Yeah. Okay. Now, just just probably my assumption, a lot of schools will get all of their applications and look at them and kind of rank them and sort them by GPA, by MCAT, obviously, with your weak undergraduate GPA, your 
good but not stellar MCAT score, you're probably just further down the list by the time they got to you. It was just later uh, later in the cycle. But yeah. obviously they had slots. You got those interviews and you got the one acceptance. When you finally got that acceptance, what was the time between when you graduated undergrad to when you actually started medical school? It was a couple of years. Yeah. I think it was two years. Yeah. How many credits did you end up uh, taking in your master's program? 30. I okay. Think it was 30. So good, good chunk. Two years worth, it sounds like. Um, it was a year program. Oh, so wow. It was, okay. It was a Pretty lot heavy. of them are like that in a year. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Pretty heavy there. Um, Okay. And you said you're interested in uh, family medicine. Do you think that'll change as you go through medical school? What are you, what are you thinking will happen during medical school? I'm all over the place, man. I'm just like, everything looks good to me right now. I love everything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my faculty are family. Um, Mm -hmm. They really push for that. And I'm also interested in stuff like psych and whenever I bring anything else like that up, they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you do that in family or you do that in (laughs) internal, you know? Yeah. And I'm just saying that as the default for now, because you know, you're jack of all trades and that's what I like about that. But we'll see. Yeah. With the COVID pandemic going on right now, um, almost every school is kind of out at this point and doing distance learning. How has your school adjusted to that? How have you adjusted to, to distance learning? So they moved us totally online Mm -hmm. and it's kind of an adjustment. Not really. You sit behind a computer 24 seven, basically in med school. Yeah. That's, that's your life. And I came home. And I think that's the biggest change is just coming off of campus and coming home. They Mm. told us just go home. All of our exams are online. They moved them open book because they basically said, we know the test scores are going to go up. Wink, wink. You know, (laughs) it's just, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So it, it feels really disjointed. Um, OMM, we can't really practice. So I've been grabbing people that are around me and it's like, Hey, let me try this (laughs) technique on you. Um, my doctor in class, I can't really do much with that. So I feel like I'm missing out a little bit, but at least I'm not in third or fourth year where I'd be hurt on rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Medical schools are scrambling to figure out what they're going to do with those students to, to meet the requirements for graduation and all that fun stuff. So I I do not envy students at this point in the middle of med school, um, having to, to adjust to this. Every student, even in undergrad, they're adjusting to this new life um, that will hopefully be temporary for just a, a couple months. So, No, hopefully. Oh, Keith, I, I appreciate your time and, and you sharing your story. For the, the student listening to this who str- struggled in undergrad but knew that they wanted to go to medical school or knows that they want to go to medical school, for the student in undergrad who's being told, like, your chance is shot um, or your chance is shot, you're going to have to do a lot of repair. What words of wisdom do you have for them as they go on their journey? I think you got to sit yourself down and ask yourself, do you really want to do this? And that's what it took for me is it took that time being grounded out of school um, to realize this is what I wanted and this is what I'm going to have to do to be successful. And you can be successful. You can get interviews. You can be interviewed at good places. If you put in the work, you can do well on the MCAT. But overcoming that is going to be hard. It's going to suck, but you can do it. 
All right, so there you have it. I hope that was helpful for you. I'm working on a new tool called Mapped, M-A-P-P-D. If you go to mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com, sign up for our waitlist to be notified of the amazing things that we are doing. If you're on Instagram, go to Mapped app. If you're on Twitter, go to Mapped app. If you're on YouTube, we're, we're going to have a Mapped app YouTube channel soon. Go to mapped.com, sign up for the waitlist. And I believe students like Keith, students like yourself, with this new technology platform we are building, will help you get to where you want to go faster. We'll give you the confidence and motivation that you can continue doing what, what you are doing. Well, maybe not continue getting bad grades, but continue down this journey to get into medical school so you can get there sooner. So you don't take a detour in your life and then realize 20 years later that you still need and want to be a physician. So go to mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. Sign up to be notified of all the amazing things that we are doing and go follow us on Instagram as well at mapped app. I hope you have a great week. I hope you're staying safe during these COVID times. I hope to see you next time here on the pre-med years. This is MedEd Media.